Good morning on this Monday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nugget, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. Yesterday we left off in the book of Exodus talking about Aaron and his sons and how God had instructed them uh, how they were to wear a certain clothing. For the priest, of course, there was a eight-piece uh, garment that they were they were to wear. And uh, chapter 28 of the book of Exodus, and the entire chapter actually explains this, how they were to be anointed. Uh, Aaron, or the high priest, was anointed from the top of the head all the way down to the feet where oil was poured upon him. Whereas the rest of the, the Levites and the rest of them that ministered in the tabernacle or in the temple, they were anointed with oil by sprinkling. The oil was sprinkled upon them as uh, they were also anointed with, uh, uh, or they were also sprinkled with blood to be cleansed. Uh, so we see uh, in the two verses that we're going to read in Exodus uh, uh, chapter 28, verse 40 and 41, And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, thou shalt make them <clears throat> girdles and bonnets, Thou shalt make them for glory and for beauty. Thou shalt put them upon Aaron and thy brother and his sons and with him. And thou shalt anoint them and consecrate them, sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we have several scriptures that mention certain things that give us an idea that there is a parallel uh, in the priesthood, even though it's not exactly the same or identical. But the thought behind it, or the shadows and the types and the figures, help us understand where we are, just like where they were. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it says that Jesus, when he gave himself uh, uh, for the church, it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it, just like they were sanctified, they were consecrated, they were anointed. With the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. And of course, the priests, when they were selected to minister, they had to be exactly like that. There couldn't be any defects, any blemishes. Uh, whatsoever physically upon the men that were going to be ministering. Uh, uh, anything from being blinded to one eye, having a crooked foot, or uh, anything like that, uh, uh, a sloped back, a hunched back, uh, they, they, they were disqualified from the ministry. Well, in here... Basically, it says that when Jesus comes for his church or when Jesus uh, comes for his people, they are going to have to be without wrinkle. They are going to have to be without spot. They're going to have to be washed in the word. They're going to have to be sanctified. And uh, they are to be in this condition on a daily basis. Well, we find that Jesus, since he was not married and he did not have physical descendants, uh, a generation. When he died and raised, was risen from the dead, he did have spiritual descendants. And we find this in Isaiah, just like Aaron had his descendants, 
Jesus has his descendants in this aspect. It says like this in Isaiah 53.10, The Lord says, It is my will that he suffer. His death was a sacrifice to bring forgiveness. And so he will see his descendants. He will live a long life. Through him my purpose will succeed. Another translation said, The Lord desired to crush him and make him ill. Once restitution is made, he will see his descendants and enjoy long life, and the Lord's purpose will be accomplished through him. Now, we find that part of the ministry that the priest attended to was receiving from the people the sacrifices that they were going to offer. There were sacrifices for sins. There were sacrifices for trespasses. There were sacrifices for uh, uh, thanksgiving, uh, sacrifices for iniquity. Uh, there was uh, an, an outline of different sacrifices that the people were to bring uh, because sin. I, I, I know that sometimes we think sin is sin and, and that's it, but there's sin or sins against God only. There's sin and sins against man only. There's sins that are both against God and man. There's sins that are against our own self. There are sins that are intentional, sins that are not intentional, none, nonetheless, whether it was in ignorance, that are done. So all of these were to be covered by the different sacrifices that had been ordained by God through the law of Moses for the people to bring. And then on the day of atonement, the high priest uh, made a sacrifice that allowed him to go into the Holy of Holies one time, once a year, to present the blood before the mercy seat. And it was to be, it was to be uh, a one-time act so that they could be forgiven or so that the sin could be covered, even though the sin would continue to be remembered because the blood was not perfect in that it could accomplish that in the law. But the blood of Jesus not only cleanses our sin, it also cleanses our conscience so that we no longer have to bear the guilt and the remembrance of that sin. He washes not only our heart, washes our spirit, he washes even our very own thinking so that every thought, uh, everything in our thinking is brought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the scripture says in the book of Revelation 19, verse 8, it says, And to her, talking about the church or the body of Christ, was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. The righteousness of the saints is derived from the righteousness of Christ. For he who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So, according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21, even though Jesus was tempted and did not sin, Jesus was tested and did not sin, yet he bare upon him 
he became a sin offering for us. And his blood not only atoned, not only covered, but it completely washed all of our sins away, including the guilt that had or has had uh, all humanity bound because of Satan's accusations that were never good enough before God. But Jesus' sacrifice made it possible for you and I. And, and this is important to understand because this involves a lot of self-esteem also. Many people can never get passed by the guilt of their past and many even go as far as suicide or taking their life because they cannot handle that guilt. It's not something that psychology or psychiatry or, or something that can be dealt with in the natural. This is something that only the blood of Jesus can wash away and can cleanse and renew the mind to a degree that we no longer, because the old man is dead, dead in his sins, crucified together with Christ, we are no longer that individual that was. When we are buried with him in baptism, we come up as a new creature. The old man stays dead. He stays buried. And we come up in newness of life. Our spirit is quickened by the spirit of the living God. We're made to have fellowship. We can know God personally and individually on a daily basis. We don't have to wait for some uh, religious ceremony or service to take place. We can in the privacy of our own home and in our selected time go before the presence of God as we are invited through the open veil that now has been done away with because of the blood of Christ, the sacrifice that he did. We are commanded to come boldly to the throne of grace and there we can find fellowship with the Father. We can find fellowship with the Son. We can find fellowship with the Holy Spirit. According to 1 Corinthians, in chapter 13, uh, verse uh, 12 and 13 and 14, that we can have uh, the communion, the koinonia, the fellowship of the Spirit. In 1 John, in chapter 1, in verses 1 onward, uh, we can have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And then in verse number 7, it says we can have fellowship with one another. So it's important to understand that this is made possible because our conscience has been made clear. The way has been opened up through the body of Christ being sacrificed. The veil has been rent into. It has opened up and made it possible for us to have contact with the Heavenly Father through Christ Jesus. It is through his blood, it is through his name, it is through his sacrifice, it is through faith, it is in the spirit. All of these things make it possible. And when we come before him, we don't have to come bearing our own guilt. He bore our guilt, according to Isaiah, in chapter 53, in verse 3, 4, and 5. He, he bore our guilt, he bore our sins, he was crushed, he was punished, uh, uh, for us, God laid upon him the iniquity of us all so that we would not have to bear that. And then the apostles were also 
commanded or they were told that they could go and preach uh, remission of sins concerning the, the, the people. We could preach the message. We could teach the message of, of redemption and show the people that the way has been made open, that we no longer have to live, by, live bound by the guilt of the past, but Christ has made it possible for us now uh, to be able to have access to God, not just the high priest going in once a year into the Holy of Holies, but now we can go into God's presence to have fellowship with him. Now, the message was this, according to Luke uh, 24, uh, 46 and 47 and 48, it says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among the nations beginning with Jerusalem, or beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now from here, we learn that Jesus himself told his disciples, you're going to be preaching a message where holiness and, and, and being sanctified, set apart by God, is going to be of such a way that you'll be able to walk with God. God will be able to walk with you and in you and through you. The scripture is very clear in that God wants to accomplish these things because he wants to dwell in his people. We are a living temple. We are living stones in that temple that he wants to inhabit. And you and I are to be ministers unto him. The, the, the word minister many times has been misinterpreted uh, by the church and we divide them into clergy and, and into the laity. But in reality, every single one of us is a minister unto God. We may not all be called into the fivefold ministry as an apostle or a prophet or a teacher uh, or a pastor or an evangelist, but every single one of us has a calling to minister unto God the things that are holy before him and to minister his word unto the needs of humanity so that they no longer have to be bound by a guilt which has been dealt with by the blood of Jesus on his sacrifice on Calvary. We can deliver the message of repentance and remission. Now, will you say, I am a minister of Almighty God and I bear the responsibility of taking the sacrifice that was offered and presenting it on the behalf of the people so that they may be able to be cleansed and have no spot and no wrinkle. Well, consider that. Consider this. It is our responsibility. Well, the Lord bless you. Consider this food for thought and for the imagination. Join us tomorrow. We've run out of time, but until then, keep looking up. Our Redeemer and Redemption draw nigh. Amen.